I'm so pleased to welcome right up here in the front row three sisters of St. Vincent de Paul who are stationed at St. Vincent de Paul in Charlotte with our good friend Father Josh Voidis, who's the pastor down there. And uh, I didn't know they were going to be here this morning, so I'm so excited that they are. And they're right here up front as I get to give the homily this morning. So sisters, I'm so glad you're here and welcome to Sacred Heart. Uh, Just to kind of look at the gospel and where we are this Sunday and to kind of put us in context, you know, the last few weeks, we've gone through a lot in the gospel of Mark. You may remember on the weekend that Father Joseph was ordained, we were at the end of of chapter four, and that's when the apostles got into the boat with Jesus, and as they were crossing over to the other side, they got slammed with storms and winds, and the apostles thought that they were going to sink as the waves came over the edge of the boat. They woke Jesus up and said, don't you care that we're perishing? And Jesus said, peace, be still. You know, the the lake calmed down, and he said to them, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And then he went over, we didn't get this in the gospel, but there was a little gap uh, that we missed on Sunday, but it's right there in the gospel of Mark. He was going to the region of the Gerasenes, and he exercised the Gerasene demoniac, a man who was possessed out there in the cemetery all the time, beating himself with rocks, yelling all the time, and of course, Jesus drove out legion, that whole group of demons. And when the people of that area saw the man calm, dressed in his right mind, they begged Jesus to leave. All of a sudden, things are different. They're not interested in having that kind of power around them. So Jesus and the apostles get back in the boat. They go back again to where they came from. And then we got the gospel a couple weeks ago. And as he was walking, Jairus came up. Will you please heal my daughter? She's deathly ill. On the way, the woman who had hemorrhages for 12 years reached out and touched him. He healed her, rose Jairus' daughter from the dead. So it's like you see all of these incredible things. Jesus' power over nature, over the devil, over sickness, even over death. And then last week, he went back home to Nazareth, and he did what he always did. He'd go into the synagogue, and he preached. And as you probably noticed on the sign down at Jake Alexander, we have the same uh, sign up twice, or, twi- two weeks in a row, and I'm sorry for that. Normally, we decide this at our staff meeting on Monday. Well, we were off for Independence Day, and we never got a new verse up there. So if you were driving up and saw, he was amazed at their lack of faith. If that kind of hit home and kind of tweaked your conscience a little bit, good. You know, so it's one of those things where when we discuss this, it's like we want it to be a little bit, you know, something a little bit different. And we have the, the citation up there so people will go and look this up. But when you think about that, Jesus, who just showed all this extraordinary power over nature, the devil, sickness, death, he goes home and he's preaching and they don't believe. In fact, they take offense at him because they kind of know where he's coming from, right? It's like, isn't this the son of Mary, the carpenter? We know him, and they're offended. And he doesn't perform any miracles except for curing a few sick people. And it says he was amazed at their lack of faith. And in fact, one of the uh, commentaries that I read about that talked about his extraordinary ordinariness. You know, the fact that God himself incarnate in their midst they can take offense at him because he is so ordinary. And then the very next line, here we have today's gospel that we pick up today in the middle of chapter 6. Jesus then summons the 12 
and sends them out without very much, right? You know, no food, no sack, no money. What do they have? A walking stick. And you notice when the bishop is at Mass, he has what's called his crozier. It's that symbol of authority. He's sending them out with his authority to cast out demons, to cure people, to preach repentance. They go out with nothing but Christ. Going out to proclaim by his authority the good news, repentance, and this power that he has. And the incredible aspect of the extraordinary ordinariness of him being right there in their midst. Now I will tell you, this past week here at Sacred Heart has been a really good one in many ways. We kind of had bookends of funerals. On Monday, we had the, uh, the funeral for our beloved Irene Watson. It was a beautiful funeral mass. I'm so grateful I got to celebrate it. And in the week before she passed, her son Phil was telling me about a beautiful story about when that family was at Mass one day, of course, in the old Sacred Heart Church, and Mrs. Watson wasn't Catholic. Mr. Watson was. And, of course, the children were being raised Catholic. And apparently, normally, Mr. Watson would sit on the end, then Mrs. Watson, then all the kids. And when it was time for communion, she'd do the thing where you, like, move your legs and everybody comes along. Well, this Sunday, she got up to go to communion, too. And apparently, Mr. Watson and the rest of the family started to tackle her to stop her because you're not Catholic, you can't go to communion. And she said... I am now. She had been taking classes. She, be, she came into the church and was then able to go up to communion with the family. And I'm so blessed by God that then I had the honor of giving her viaticum, her last communion. And we had a beautiful funeral mass for her on Monday. And just looking at that and looking at the things that happen right here. Our parish has been here since 1838. And learning about that has been incredible. I, I've really loved kind of pulling these things in. You may not know this, we're about to start another debt reduction campaign. Hooray, you know? I know everybody's super excited, right? But one of the beautiful things about that is, in getting ready for this, Michael Becker, our director of operations, is combing through the archives, and we're putting together a big website of the whole history of the faith in Rowan County, of our parish history. And the incredible thing is that since 1838, our Lord has been present here in the Blessed Sacrament, that the faith came to this area, and that people have done so much to make that happen, to make sure that the faith continues to be present right here. On Friday, like I said, I kind of talk about these bookends of funerals. We had our funeral for our beloved Fred Files, who passed away, and that funeral was on Friday. And in, in between that funeral and adoration that started at three, I was going through the archives with Michael. And one of the sections I was going through was all about Our Lady of Victory. And I don't know if you know about this, from 1942 until I think into the early 70s, although the portion I was looking at was only about 20 years, we were segregated. We had another church in town, a chapel, Our Lady of Victory. It was a black Catholic church, and it was staffed by the Holy Ghost Fathers. And I read about the Holy Father Bradley and Father Kirby and Father Zeller and the beautiful things that they did in this church was glorious. I think we have one of our parishioners from there right now. And to see that and then to find out that the statue of the Sacred Heart from that church is now in our school, kind of like the crossroads where the two hallways meet, that's the Sacred Heart statue from Our Lady of Victory. And of course, over time now, thanks be to God, we're all together. 
as we should be, and it's a beautiful thing. But to look at that, to know the fact that Jesus Christ allows us to participate in the continuing, continuing handing on of the gospel. And, you know, as I talk about, you know, we're going into another debt reduction campaign, of course. And I know over the years, people have said things like, oh, you know what, Father, I just win the lottery. We're paying this thing off, which I appreciate. And if it happens, fantastic. But it's probably not going to. And I'll be honest with you, I'm kind of grateful that it hasn't. And the reason I say that is that we get to participate in this, that we get to do our part. I just heard a story yesterday about Mary Frances Roosh and how in one of the other churches, the older, newer church, that she had sold her jewelry to help pay it off. And it got paid off in two years. And when you think about stories like that, how incredible that is. We have a 180-plus-year history right here locally. Of course, it's a more than 2,000-year story that's going on from the time of Christ. But when you think about the fact that we get to jump into this, and in the same way that he sends out the apostles, no food, no sack, no money in their belts, okay, we may not have everything yet either, but we've got him. We have the gospel. We have the authority that Christ gives us. The blessed sacrament continues to be present. We continue preaching the repentance of sins. That's why we have confession six days a week. The devil continues to be driven out. We pray the St. Michael prayer every single day. We go out there and drive out the devil of division and cynicism. You know, so often be like, oh, the faith is dead. It's going nowhere. Well, look at you. You're all here right now. I'm so blessed to get to see the fruits coming all the time. I mean, when you think about this, we're in July. It's the month of Humani Vitae, that document that Pope Paul VI put out back in 1968, upholding the church's perennial teaching against artificial contraception. Well, we teach our married couples about this. And the thing is, people are embracing it. It's a beautiful, wonderful gift. I've seen couples come through the program totally bought in, in love with it, and talking about it at parties, and including, you know, trying to get other people to jump in too, and they have. The fact of the matter is, yes, the devil's going to throw everything at us that he's got, but how beautiful it is that Christ employs us in the proclamation of the gospel, that we get to be a part of all of this. And when you look at that first reading from Amos, you know, he's like, I'm not a prophet. I didn't belong to a company of prophets. I'm a shepherd and a dresser of sycamore trees. He was a farmer, and God called him from that to go and prophesy to the wider corrupt culture. My friends, we're called to do the same thing. And the beautiful thing for us is, even beyond what Amos had, we have Christ who acts in extraordinary ways, who drives out sin and death, but also in ordinary ways, that he is with us all of the time. This church is open until about nine o'clock every single night. And the thing is, just like those people in Nazareth, because it can become so ordinary, we can start to take it for granted. And I think the important thing for us is to make sure that we never do that that we ask him for that grace to always be grateful that we too get to participate, that we too get to be involved in this unfolding story of salvation, of the preaching of the repentance of sin, of the driving out of the devil and all of his lies, of the curing of sickness, both physical and spiritual. Why? Because the good shepherd is present. 
He acts in extraordinary ways and he acts in ordinary ways. But ultimately, as St. Paul tells us, it's all about lifting us up to that holiness, lifting us up to the joy that never ends. And that comes in being in union with him and with one another. The foretaste that we get to experience right here, that has been unfolding right here in Rowan County since 1838, how incredible it is that that's happening, that it is happening, and that we're invited to come in as well. My brothers and sisters in Christ, let's ask him for that grace to embrace him, to take him with us in everything that we do, and to draw all people, especially right here in Rowan County, closer and closer to our Lord, who tells us to go forth in peace. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Buenas tardes a todos. Entonces, se fueron y predicaron el arrepentimiento. Mis queridos amigos, quisiera que reflexionemos más prof profundamente sobre esta gran virtud del arrepentimiento. ¿Qué significa? Y por qué es tan importante para la salvación de nuestras almas. Cuando Juan el Bautista vino predicando en el desierto de Judea, sus primeras palabras fueron, renuncien a su mal camino, porque el reino de los cielos está cerca. Más tarde, después de derrotar a Satanás en el desierto, Jesús vino a Galilea predicando el Evangelio de Dios, diciendo, El tiempo se ha cumplido. El reino de Dios está cerca. Cambien sus caminos y crean en la Buena Nueva. Hoy, escuchamos en el Evangelio de San Marcos, después que de Jesús convocó a sus discípulos y les dio poder sobre los espíritus malignos, ellos se fueron y predicaron el arrepentimiento. ¿Por qué el arrepentimiento? El Evangelio de Lucas nos dice que les abrió la mente para que entendieran las Escrituras. Les dijo, todo esto estaba escrito. Los padecimientos del Mesías y su resurrección, resurrección de entre los muertos a la tercera día. Luego, debe proclamarse en su nombre el arrepentimiento y el perdón de los pecados, comenzando por Jerusalén 
y yendo después a todas las naciones. Por lo tanto, el arrepentimiento es necesario para que los pecados sean perdonados. ¿Qué significa arrepentimiento? El arrepentimiento significa, o realmente significa, una angustia del alma, del alma y un aborrecimiento por los pecados pasados y una firme resolución de no volver a pecar nunca más. Sin arrepentimiento es imposible obtener el perdón. Por eso, el sacerdote en el confesionario, antes de dar la absolución, te preguntará, ¿estás realmente arrepentido por estos pecados y los pecados de tu vida? La curación completa del alma solo puede ocurrir cuando hay absolución. Gracias a Dios que esta angustia del alma por el pecado es suficiente para que Dios conceda el perdón. Pero esta angustia debe ser sincera y tan grande. Debe provenir del fondo del corazón. Debe provenir de un profundo amor por Dios. Porque cuando hay un gran dolor por el pecado, hay un verdadero compromiso de no volver a pecar. Y después de la confesión y la absolución, hay verdadera paz y gozo de los que habla en el, el Salmo 32, dichoso el que es perdonado de su culpa y le queda cubierto su pecado. Hace dos semanas hice una peregrinación para rendir homenaje a nuestra querida señora de Guadalupe, para agradecerle el don del sacerdocio. Durante ese tiempo, he sido testigo de la belleza y el gozo del verdadero arrepentimiento y conversación. Mi viaje a México sucedió en una manera como si lo hubiera planeado la Divina Providencia. Nuestra Señora de Guadalupe quería que mis amigos y yo fuéramos. Ella no estaba esperando, ella nos estaba esperando y guía nuestro viaje 
Todo salió muy bien. Cruzar la frontera fue fácil. Manejar alrededor de México fue fácil. Pasar por varias casetas de pago. Comí el mejor pollo loco en Matehuala y los deliciosos tacos en la ciudad de San Luis Potosí. Llovió un poco, aunque me dijeron que no llovía en México. Celebré, celebré misas en las hermosas iglesias de Ixlahuacán, de Río en Jalisco, en la Catedra de Morelia, en San Miguel de Allende, en, el, en la Basílica de Nuestra Señora de Guadalupe. Este fue uno de mis mejores viajes. No quería irme de México. Recuerdo haber celebrando la misa en San Luis Potosí para una señorita que estaba celebrando su cumpleaños en su casa. Cayó de rodillas y lloró una vez que se enteró de que en su cumpleaños se ofrecería una misa en su casa. Fue un momento de gran alegría, una oportunidad de arrepentimiento y conversación. Ese es el poder del arrepentimiento. Suceden grandes cosas cuando hay un verdadero arrepentimiento. Hay alegría y paz. La vida se vuelve mucho mejor. San Agustín, después de experimentar la alegría y la belleza de arrepentimiento y el perdón de los pecados, escribió en sus confesiones, Tarde te amé hermosura tan antigua y tan nueva. Tarde te amé. Tú estabas dentro de mí y yo fuera y por fuera te buscaba y me lanzaba sobre las cosas hermosas creadas por ti Tú estabas conmigo y yo no estaba contigo. Me retenían lejos de ti todas las cosas, aunque si no estuviesen en ti, nada serían. Llamaste y clamaste y rompiste mi sordera. Brillaste y resplandeciste y pusiste en fuga mi ceguera.
exhalaste tu perfume y respiré y suspiró por ti. Gusté de ti y siento hambre y sed. Me tocaste y me abrazo en tu paz. Esa es la hermosa virtud del arrepentimiento. ¿Quieres conocer las consecuencias de nuestros pecados? Miren y vean lo que nuestros pecados le hicieron a nuestro Señor Jesucristo cuando estaba colgado del madero. Grandes clavos y una lanza larga y afilada perforaron su tierna carne. Toda su belleza se había ido, cubierta de sangre, su rostro lleno de escupidos de para de los hombres, y su cuerpo debilitado por los látigos espinosas, la sed, la larga, larga y dolorosa caminata hasta el Calvario. Y desde la pasada leña de la, de la cruz, cada vez que pecamos, aumentamos su dolor, nos burlamos de él y le escupimos. Mis queridos hermanos, resolvamos entonces con la gracia de Dios a no pecar más, a hacer penitencia, a confesarnos, a evitar las ocasiones cercanas del pecado y a enmendar nuestras vidas. Caigamos de rodillas y demos gracias a Dios por el don de su Hijo Unigénito, nuestro Señor Jesucristo, que por el derramamiento de su sangre nos ha obtenido el perdón de nuestros pecados. Acerquémonos al sacramento de la penitencia con mayor frecuencia, con honestidad y sinceridad de corazón, para obtener la curación de nuestras almas y vivir en paz. Te alabamos, Cristo Jesús. <tose>